Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. It's good to gather in God's Word to just dig in a bit more this morning. It's exciting to be carrying on this series of Nehemiah. Matt's shared a little bit this morning. We're still in the rebuilding process this morning. And God, I believe, wants to do some work in us this morning. I've, I've really enjoyed digging into this passage for myself and it's like, oh Lord, you're showing me that and then I meet that person and it's like, ah, okay, thank you God. So I really sense for us this morning that God, God wants to speak. He always wants to speak through his word but for me, I'm excited this morning and I pray that you are as we come again and we go, Lord, speak to us. So I'm, we're speaking, I'm doing the talky bit first and then there's going to be a bit of space to respond in worship, respond in prayer maybe as we're just hearing these words, even now, just we say, come Lord Jesus, come and speak to us through your word, come and use my words, my thoughts, but Holy Spirit, we pray you would speak to us, change our hearts, transform us afresh this morning. We want to be your people, we want to be rebuilders, we want to be restored ourselves, Lord, so come, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So last week we took a bit of a break from our Nehemiah, we only had one talk and then we had Andy Kine last week, but still thinking around these themes of restoration and being renewed and he talked about uh, this place and coming before Jesus is like being part of the repair shop, that, those words of the repair shop is open, I love that, I love that invitation for come on, doing business, doing our lives with Jesus, being repaired and restored. And today we're looking at Nehemiah 2. He's been praying and now we see some action starting to happen. And I wonder for yourselves, have you had situations that you've really prayed for? That you've really had to dig into? I can see a few nodding heads. I know there's been times when I've had to really dig deep and pray for things. That sustained prayer. And I also wonder for you whether you've sensed uh, God's favour in your life at certain points, whether you've been blessed for a season and you've known God's presence just for the right time. Well, that's the story of Nehemiah this morning. He's been praying and he's been sitting in sustained prayer and now he receives the favour of God as we've heard in the passage. And so the title I've got for this morning, thank you David, that's the reading that we've just had. Will it skip on? Do I have to turn this on? Will it just should go? There we go. And one more? Maybe it's not. Our title this morning is Prayer and Favour. And if you've got a Bible with you, follow it a little bit. Dig into this. Um, follow it on your phone as well if it helps you. So Nehemiah, who started his prayer in chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, it says, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year. So he starts in the month of Kislev. I'm sure you're all familiar with Kislev. And then, and then he carries on in chapter 2. He's now in the month of Nissan, that well-known automotive dealer. So he's gone from Kislev to Nissan, uh, which commentators tell, tell me, because I didn't know any of that, um, that in that time, it's about three to four months, maybe a hundred days so he's been praying. He started his prayer, that which we read in chapter 1, and we're now at the start of chapter 2, where he's continuing to pray. And he comes before 
the king, King Artaxerxes. So for at least three months, he's been seeking the Lord, he's been asking, he's been probably gathering with others, and it seems like nothing's happening. Or at least nothing tangible that he could quite put his finger on. But what's he been asking for all this time after he's heard the plight of the ruined city? What's he been asking for? This vulnerable people that his heart has gone out to and he's wept for. Which says at the end of chapter 1, each day he's been praying, give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man, in the presence of the king. He's been asking, he's been on his knees day after day, asking for the favour of God to be on him when he comes and speaks to the king. And what he's been asking is, it seems like the impossible. Let's just think a minute about who Nehemiah is. He's respectable, he's hanging out, he's in the, he's in the king's presence every day. He's got a high position, but in reality, he's still a foreigner. Potentially still really a slave. A slave living in a foreign land. And yet Nehemiah is trusted in his role. He's this cupbearer. <laughs> he can't have a day off, can he, really, if you think about it. He's that trusted person, the one person the king trusts to make sure that he stays alive. So he can't have a day off. He's, he is in bonded labor. He's a slave, really. And yet Nehemiah is a key man. And that's part of the problem. It seems impossible for the king to be able to release him. How is he going to let him go and rebuild the walls in another country when the king needs him every day? He's praying for God to do the impossible. And yet, he continues to pray in chapter 1. Hear these words. This is what Nehemiah says. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Matt talked about this before. He's basically saying to God, come on, listen to me. See what I'm doing here. See the plight of your people. He's reminding him of his promises day and night. He's praying for change, praying for God to change the mind of the king. He's praying for God's favour in his own life, but also for the favour of others. And so something changes. And it changes with a sad face. (laughs) It all changes because of Nehemiah's face has been changed. In verse 2 we heard, I have not been sad in the king's presence before. Probably best wise not to be. Imagine serving you a drink and going, oh, have a go at this king. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not a good advert, is it, to have a sad face and go, oh, knock yourself out, try this one. He's got to look cheery all the time. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? He knows he's all right. This can be nothing but sadness of heart. The king notices that Nehemiah's heart has been broken. His body has been moved. He's affected by the grief he is feeling. He can't hide the sadness. It's a good reminder to us sometimes. We put our, our lovely English faces on and we put the smiley face on and we go, how are you? Saying, yeah, fine, okay, okay. You know, we just keep going, don't we? Okay. Sometimes it's all right to show that sadness. We can't do it with everyone. It's exhausting, isn't it, if we tell everyone that grief that's on our hearts. 
But I think it's okay sometimes to show in our faces, in our body, things aren't okay. Um, Yeah. So he shows this sadness. And it's risky, because he's meant to be this happy, smiley, in the presence of the king. Imagine trying to smile every day, all the time. It's exhausting. But that's Nehemiah's job. But the trouble in his heart is now shown in his face. His eyes are full of pain. He's got drawn lines. He's got sunken cheeks. He looks haggard. He can't pretend any longer. God has done something in his life. He's seen the need. He's been on his knees praying and he's seeking the Lord. Uh, My wife Fiona would say that God has given him a gut gift. (laughs) a gut gift he's given him something that is in his stomach in his very being that he can't get away from the Holy Spirit has been at work in his life and he's got this gut wrenching thing that goes that's not right that's not godly something needs to change and I wonder this morning have we been given a gut gut gift (laughs) it's a bit of a funny phrase but you know what I mean that sense of something that we see in the world something that we notice Something for our fellow human beings that goes, that's not right. That's not what God intends. Something needs to change. Maybe this morning God wants to give us something like Nehemiah that changes who we are, changes our very being so that we see things as God sees them. So Nehemiah, having shown his sad face, he then responds and he says this, I was very much afraid The king's given him an opening. He says, why are you sad? And he responds, he says, I was very afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. He's still being kind, isn't he? He's being gracious. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? I love the fact that Nehemiah recognises he's fearful. I'm often fearful, I think. I'm often fearful. Do I say the right thing? Do I act in the right way? Sometimes fear restricts me and I I don't do things. But I'm learning to be braver. I'm trusting God's Holy Spirit to prompt me and go, no, speak, do, act, send a message, go and visit, go and do things. God will put that in us. And we might be fearful, like Nehemiah, but we are given opportunities to speak out. And Nehemiah tells the king, he's really open and honest. He's really honest. He says, things are a mess. Look at the state of Jerusalem. You might have heard it, but I'm telling you again, king, this is how things are. I love that about Nehemiah. He's open, he's honest. He doesn't hide things. He tells things as they are. He lives in this open and honest way. And we're encouraged to be the same with each other, to live open, honest lives. But he's chosen not to be stopped by fear. Uh, in Proverbs 29, 25, it says, The fear of man can bring a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Isaiah 56, 11 says, In God I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And sometimes I need to strengthen myself and go, Yes, Lord. These words are true. I don't need to fear man. I put my trust in the Lord. And then the king says, what do you want? I love it. 
I love it. He says, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? It's like the words of Jesus to blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do? And here we hear another way of praying. praying. He's done his three-month prayer, and then he says, ah! <laughs> um, I missed that verse out. It doesn't matter. You've got another one. He says, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and the king, ans- and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favour in your sight, there it is again, that word favour, let him send me to Judah where my ancestor built so I can rebuild it. He does this quick, spontaneous prayer. He speaks it out really quickly. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and then I spoke. And some of us are like that in our lives. As we walk about, we go, I don't know how to pray, Lord. The Bible speaks about praying without ceasing. I don't know how to do that. How do I keep praying all the time? I was chatting with someone about this this week and it's like, yeah, I don't know how to do that. But I, I guess we just have our eyes open. We notice, we see things. What's going on in the news? What's going on in the lives of my neighbours and my family? What's my spirit feeling? Lord, help me to worship as I drive in my car, as I walk down the street. Help me to recall your goodness. Help me to pray in the moment when I don't know what to do. That's that sort of prayer without ceasing. And that's what Nehemiah does. And he prays to the God of heaven and he goes for it. And he says, this is what I need. This is what needs to happen. I'm not going to dig into it now, but if you get a chance, uh, maybe in your life groups, have a look at Ezra 4. Um, there's this whole policy that the king, the same king, has made. People have come to him and goes, right, king, you need to sign this policy, make this decision to not rebuild the walls. Have you not noticed what these people of Israel are doing? They're not going to pay their taxes if you rebuild the wall. You've got to keep them vulnerable. And so the king actually replies and goes, yeah, I'm going to do that. And he says in Ezra 4, now I've issued a decree for the men to stop work so that the city will not be rebuilt until I order. Be careful not to neglect this matters. Why let this threat grow? And so he stops the work. So the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So now the king is going, cool, I've heard your cries, I've heard your prayers, and I'm going to change policy. I'm going to change laws because of your prayers, because of your asking. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? That now this king is saying, yeah, go for it, Nehemiah. Take what you need. Go to this land. Rebuild the walls. Reverse that policy. Prayer changes things. Prayer and action changes things. Changes policies, changes governments' minds. We saw some of that last year when some uh, Savitai Javid went to a, a prayer meeting last summer. And it changed things. He resigned. Other people resigned. Prime Minister resigned. We know the, <laughs> the snowball effect. But hey, that started in a prayer meeting where someone heard from the word of the Lord and they went, yeah. They were not doing justice. We're not living lives of integrity. Something needs to change. Our prayers are powerful. Our prayers that are long for a hundred days are powerful. Our prayers that go, Lord, help me, in that little arrow prayer moment is powerful. Things change. Policies change. Leaders can change. We pray for change, Lord. 
I was sat in the community feast on Friday night, just chatting with a few people like, our hearts going, Lord, change things in Russia. Change things for Ukraine. Change, Lord. We continue to pray. We disagreed on some of the answers, and we haven't got the answers, but our Father in heaven has answers. And so we say, Lord, change things. Change lives. Because the King hears. Because leaders hear your voice and change. So prayer is powerful. That's my first point. Prayer brings change. And maybe I also need to say, (laughs) sometimes it feels like prayer doesn't change anything. I'm going to be really honest with you and go, I've prayed lots of prayers. And sometimes it's like, Lord, (laughs) that doesn't feel like it's changed. And maybe that's the case for you sometimes. You're like, Lord, I've been praying for that person for years. I've been praying for this situation. Nothing seems to be happening. I don't know. I haven't got the answers on some of these things. But I know God does a work in me as I pray. He changes my heart. He helps me to see things different. He changes how I treat others. When I pray, God starts that work in me too. Prayer is a mystery because our God is good. Our God is sovereign and we don't know it all and I don't know it all, certainly. So we pray. We pray like Nehemiah for sustained times. We pray short prayers and we say, Lord, change me. Give me that thing on my heart that you want to change in me and then my second bit is about the favour of the Lord Nehemiah's confidence grows after hearing that the king's initially going yeah go for it I want to I give you my blessing and so he asks for more you can see his confidence rise uh, in verse 8 uh, it says this and because the gracious hand of my God was on me the king granted my requests And so he gets bold and he asks for more. God's favour rested on Nehemiah as he spoke. He was given letters to the governors, safe passage. He had army and a cavalry. He asked for the wood from the royal park to build the gates. Nehemiah had sought the Lord and found favour. His prayer was answered just so he felt better, just so he went, oh, look at me, I'm... I'm the cupbearer to the king. I'm in favour with the Lord. No. His favour was to benefit others. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. That's that Genesis 12 stuff about Abraham, where he first is blessed as a nation. Through you, Abraham, the whole world, the whole nation will be blessed. And Abraham was blessed, but he was blessed just so he could grow a big family? Not at all so that the world will be changed. We are blessed as God's people, just like Nehemiah, so that we can be a blessing to those that we meet. And so we pray this morning that the favour of God would be on us, would be on me, that we would know that anointing, that we would receive that blessing from the Lord, so that we can pray for those, that we can stand beside those that are broken and hearted, broken-hearted and needing Jesus. You probably can't read this brilliantly, but I just want to read it again as we kind of revisioned this church and we looked at the direction that God was calling us to go in, as we looked at lives being transformed by Jesus. We got a real sense of key passages. The leadership team, long before I was here, were really praying into things like Isaiah 61. Listen to these words that were written at the same time as Nehemiah was going on. Listen to these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me 
Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Listen to these words. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Isaiah prophesies about this renewing, rebuilding, restoring, releasing God's goodness to his people. And that blessing was on Nehemiah. And I believe as God's people, he's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can do things that bless others. We've been anointed. We don't often use that word for ourselves. We're like, oh, no, 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 I'm nothing special about me. I'm just, I'm just Mark. I'm just here. No, we've been anointed. We've been called. We've been set apart. We are God's holy people. And yet we've got our task to do. We've got a role to do to release the captives, to set those that are bound up, to set them free, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. At the end of this passage, there's just a little throwaway comment in verse 10. Of Nehemiah chapter 2, it says, The people were disturbed that Nehemiah was coming because they'd come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. They're saying, Why are you going to do this, king? Stop doing it. Don't do that. Don't change your policy. Why do you care about these people in Jerusalem, the people of Israel? Don't bother about them. Those are people are over there. Just focus on yourself. Nehemiah used his status, his position, his ear to the king to help the powerless, those that were just being ignored and rejected. I guess a question for myself and for you this morning is, how do I use my position for those that are powerless, those that are over there, those that are ignored or overlooked? God's favour is on each of us. God's favour is on us so that we can stand with the powerless, those that are poor, those that are ignored, rejected, captive. How can I restore hope because the favour of God is on me in my life? Maybe there's people in your home, down your street, in your workplace, where you just think, Lord, I carry the favour of God as I walk into that room. Get the privilege of going and meeting people in their homes. And you walk into certain rooms, you go, wow, this is great. God is here. God's favour rests in this living room with this cup of tea. God's favour is on it. God's favour is on our lives when we say yes to Jesus and we carry that with us. People notice that, oh, what's different about them? What's going on in their life? What's special? It's not Mark. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is always the one that changes things. And maybe there's people here this morning, me included, that need that restoration, that hope in Jesus for myself this morning. Maybe there's others that don't yet know Jesus that go, yeah, I need to know this hope. I need to know this freedom. 
that sets people alert, free, that releases them to know Jesus for themselves. And I pray that if that's you this morning, that you would say yes to Jesus. Jesus, come and renew me. Come and change my life. Come in and transform me. May I know your truth that sets me free. So as I close, I just maybe want to repeat those words of Jesus that sounded very similar to what the king says. What do you want me to do for you this morning? What is it that you want? What is it that you feel God has laid on your heart this morning? We carry God's spirit with us. And maybe there's some people here, and I already sense this, that there's some people here that are anointed for specific tasks. Jesus' words in Matthew 10 say this, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, we've been blessed, Now what do we do? We freely give. We give it away. We've received the Holy Spirit. We've received forgiveness for ourselves. Now we freely give it. So I sense there's some people here this morning that have received lots, but also I sense there's those that are going to give lots as well. So what have you and I been blessed with? How can I be a blessing to others I love being part of this church. I've really seen it this week. You know, when you're planning the talk and you just notice things, I just love the way this church just blesses others. It is a real blessing through cups of tea that have been made, through getting down on the floor with young kids and parent toddlers, for cakes that have been made, (laughs) for people that have just had a shoulder to cry on, that they've listened, they've given a hug, that they've prayed for others. Seen people in the past before Christmas mending clothes in the warm space up here. Having people having parties and gathering people together, sending emails and WhatsApps just to say, come on, keep going. We are amazing as God's people because his favour is on us. We are God's people and his favour rests on us. So whether we recognise it or not, God has blessed us richly. And he's asking us this morning, will you bless others? As as God's favour rests on me, Lord, teach me to pray. Pray for others in the moment. Pray those deep prayers. Lord, give me (laughs) that gut gift this morning to really pray for those that need you, Lord. Teach me to pray persistent prayers. May I know your favour. May I know your favour so that I can bless those who don't yet know you. Psalm 90 says this, Let the favour of the Lord be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands.